FightGameMedia.com and I'm a staff writer at F4WOnline and WrestlingObserver.com. I'm back with Japan's leading pro wrestling author, historian, sociologist, and broadcast journalist, Mr. Fumi Saito. All right, welcome to the final episode of our mini series on the history of Joshi Pro Wrestling, women's wrestling in Japan, part three. This is part three. Um, today on this episode, we spend a lot of time. Uh, we spent time up front, especially talking about Akira Hokuto and Shinobu Kandori's legendary historic match, 1993 Dream Slam. Um, we spoke about that, plus the extended rivalry between All Japan Women and LLPW. We also talked about groups like LLPW, JWP, uh, the women's group at FMW in the early 90s. Uh, later on in the episode, we definitely spoke about and spent some time talking about Chigusa Sanagayo's comeback to pro wrestling, as well as Linus Asuka's comeback in 1994 and 1995, the launch of Gaia Japan. We spoke about Gaia Girls, the documentary, which you I, I mentioned it on the episode, but you can easily find it on YouTube or Daily Motion or some sort of open source video website. Uh, if you are interested in that documentary. Uh, what else do we talk about on this final episode? Uh, we spent time talking about the, the fallout of All Japan Women in um, when it eventually finished, but also uh, morphed into a number of splinter groups that came out of it. Groups like Arceon, Neo, Neo Ladies, Oz Academy, later Stardom, Wave, Sendai Girls these days, Seedling. Um, we talked about the Dark Ages for Joshi Pro Wrestling as well. And from there, we led our discussion into the modern era of Joshi Pro Wrestling. Now, there are a lot of topics that I'm sure we couldn't hit. So, this is a general history. Uh, despite, you know, three episodes we gave you, There's, we're going to have to hit on certain topics and certain figures in the future in you know solo series showcase series that we do focused on one wrestler or one tag team so if there is something that we had to leave out that you are interested in just hit us up on twitter hit us up via patreon we'll try to get to it there's lots and lots to get to so don't you worry all right if you haven't already please subscribe to the Fight Game Media Network podcast feed on Spotify, on Apple, Stitcher Downcast, wherever you listen to your podcast, it does help out a ton. And also, I have a book out right now, a digital e-book thing of a bob. It's on Amazon. You can buy it uh, for your Kindle. It's called Stronger Than All. It's a digital match guide to every single New Japan Strong match for the first two years of the show's existence. Um, there is a sale going on this month, too. You can buy it for just $2.99 US dollars alright that's enough let's get right into Joshi Pro Wrestling the history of Joshi Pro Wrestling our final episode part 3 first, right and yeah the, the very first inner promotional match starting from All Japan Women uh, against FMW Women that's November right. of 92 but the first very very famous one being uh, April 2nd, 1993, Yokohama Arena, where the match lasted all the way to like 12.45 at night. Everybody missed their last train. And the, most of missed the train and became a legend. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> can you imagine, you know, the wrestling match lasted that long, but people decided. And uh, Yokohama Arena is in Shin Yokohama, so you basically have to take bullet train one stop to get there, you know? And the bullet train runs, you know, the, even even in, in, in a regular train in the subway usually runs till like a one o'clock in the morning, but the bullet train stopped running like at 10.30, you know? And uh, yeah, they decided to stay and then, you know, they didn't think about what's going to happen after the show and then they, 
it's becoming like a, almost like a local legend that uh, people run into each other in the middle of the night, wandering around, you know, to just to find a local bar or izakaya or someplace where they can, I can, you know, you can actually walk in and spend time until the very first, you know, train in the morning. <laughs> a lot of life some people friendships uh, started that night. I guess, yeah, yeah, that night, and also some people all went into you know Seven uh, Eleven or Lawson's, you know, for English-speaking world. You know, Japanese Seven Elevens and Lawson's love them. They sell beer, liquor. Did you notice that? That's right. When yeah. You're here? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they picked up a six can of beer and then went went to the park to sit. You know, and uh, I don't know how warm that was in April of nineteen ninety-three, but I mean, pretty cold. They, yeah, and they decided to spend the night at the park drinking canned beer and on and, and talk wrestling even more. It was a <laughs> and, bright uh, time. It became like a legend that night after the Yokohama Arena show. We, you know, <clears throat> yeah, yeah, and spend the night uh, outside until we did the first train in the morning. And uh, they were happy to do so. But that was the uh, very beginning of that uh, peak era of this inter-promotion superstar against superstar supercar that uh, Yokohama Arena, especially. That uh, that was the night Akira Hokuto became larger-than-life superstar, beating Shinobu Kandori of LLPW. Shinobu Kandori was a star, but not, uh, not like a idol superstar superstar but to start in that she was a world champion judo judoka amateur rank and uh what can you how far can you go as a, as a judo champion right and uh, becoming instructor or sensei somewhere or teach high school gym, in the gym class or or just be a judo person the rest of your life and you, you probably won't be making that much money you know and kandori wanted to pursue something professionally in a, in a professional as an athlete and it Shandori was one of those people that wandered into the wrestling world, much like Naoya Ogawa later on, yeah, mm-hmm. or, or, or the little bit like a Brock Lesnar for that matter. Yeah, yeah, but Ronda Rousey was a wrestling fan. She, yeah, she she admits that. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Ronda Rousey was a great Olympic judo and also went to UFC. You know, like a real fight, but. Uh, it wasn't like step down for Ronda Rousey to become a professional wrestler because she was lifelong wrestling fan, and also that was a, she admits that she was Riley Piper fan, and also that the, she studied under judo Jean Lobel. Jean Lobel also trained Riley Piper, so there was a connection. That's why she has this, you know, rowdy, rowdy, you know, T-shirt and uh, kilt skirt and a leather, black leather jacket she inherited. And there's a nice, warm wrestling story to it, right? I mean, for Ronda Rousey case. But the, she, she, Shinobu Kandri admit, uh, admits that herself that she never watched wrestling as a kid, you know. But uh, this is what she wants to do, to make money, you know. So, so there's like a... Uh, mixed bag feeling that they're right that this legitimate tough woman should go into this business you know and improve something or some people resent that so, yeah she's in there just to make money you know something and then but the uh, the the common understanding was that this woman shinobu kandori is legitimate tough woman then in a single match against akira Ho- Okuto, oh my gosh, this is gonna be very interesting, right? And in today's world, it's a double juice. You know, both 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 women bled. You know, and at the end, that the Northern Light power, you know, power bomb, uh, that the Northern Light, you know, like a brainbuster thing, that uh, Akira Hokuto pinned Shinobu Kandori very convincingly, and it was a sensational match. Uh, and then that was like a, that really uh, sped this boom period the peak era that uh, let's come back and watch more women's wrestling because this year Yokohama arena show that drew uh, 18,000 plus fans a lot a lot of these male fans but it was was their first women's match live you know they attended the big show so there's you know right let's come back for a more live show you know and uh, that that year alone 
uh, all Japan women had you know Osaka Fritz uh, that uh, Budokan you know Nippon Budokan and, and you know, Nagoya you know uh, Rainbow Nagoya Hall show that the Tokyo Bay uh, NK Hall. That's a nice 10,000 uh, people, you know, uh, audience building that, that's right next to Tokyo Disneyland. But that, that the building, Tokyo Bay NK Hall, that's, it's not there anymore. But uh, for about 10 year period, a lot of the big show was held at the Tokyo Bay NK Hall, right next to Tokyo Disneyland. Uh, that's another, well, useless trivia. And uh, end of this, uh, this December 93, they finally they came back came back to Sumo Arena, Sumo Palace. Yeah. Sumo Palace, you know, they didn't, they hadn't had that Sumo Palace show uh since Crash Girls era. Yeah, so that was symbolic. And I think listeners that might be a little younger need to also recognize that at this time there wasn't such thing as MMA quite yet. It wasn't. Nope, nope, not yet. We were not yet. talking That's about right. Ronda Rousey earlier. Ronda Rousey had the option. She she went into uh, UFC and MMA first because she had that option because it had already established itself as a business. Sure, sure. By the time she started, well, Kandori probably I would say it's safe to say That's she right, would have done right. something similar. Kan, right, uh, Kan Kan she would have done that. Right, right. Oh, I think so. In Japan, you had to wait till ni- late nineties. Right, at least. Shinobu Kandori. Debuted eighty six, yeah. Right, so she and others that wrestled like her were ahead of their time, and along with the the WF groups and all right, the shooters. Right, right. This, this slightly different era, right? Right. So they, uh, in pro wrestling terms and pro wrestling context, it was it had a different flavor than it would now. It could only have happened then in the nineties because, and that's also what gave it that uh, that intensity and that a lot there was a lot of uh, fire between Hokuto and Kandori in that match it was really like um, mm-hmm. a precursor to the UWF U, excuse me UWFI New Japan feud a, a couple of years later where it seemed was like it pro seemed wrestling like it. versus shoot fighting mixed martial arts whatever you want to call it right not quite MMA yet but not pro wrestling either or but the not yeah, yeah. yeah. So and and people, oh it's my... a pro wrestling, but not not fully grew out of you know the traditional pro wrestling flavor either. But the wrestling fans enjoy that though, because you know, like you and I, it's the same in America or Japan. The, the wrestling fans generally grew up being told that the wrestling is fake, wrestling is bad, you know, mm. and. Uh, whomever loved wrestling so much as a kid, you know, they, they'll tell you in your neighborhood, some uncle, you know, the school teacher, your homeroom teacher will tell you, oh, oh, the wrestling. <laughs> you know, so we have same stigma, you know, so that was like a time, there's a time that the proof, look, watch this match. You call it fake, huh? Right? So wrestling fans always have to, like, almost defend themselves, defend myself. Yeah. And, and, and I think the, a lot of those they, wrestlers from that time mm-hmm. were the the heroes of the people who felt that way, like yeah, Funaki, yeah, like uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Sayama. Yeah, but a lot of them, like you know, Satoru Sayama himself, that, that created Shuto, a complete MMA genre, and UWF, then then into Fujiwara Gumi, then. Then Funaki and Minoru Suzuki ended up starting Pancras. And Pancras ended up being complete MMA today. You know, nothing to do with pro wrestling anymore. It's just interesting, you know, history piece there. It took a different path. But anyhow, path. That, uh, yeah, different path. Some people, like Nobuhiko Takada, joined with MMA and never were able to come back. <laughs> you know, I, I wish they, they did, but uh, you know what I'm saying? Well, he's more like a TV personality these days. He's not really much of a fighter. Oh yeah, completely retired. And Nobuhiko Takada, in his case, that uh, he doesn't mingle with wrestling people anymore. No, he's like a you know he's a talent. Yeah, yeah, definitely talent. Uh, I uh, just the other day I was I happened to you know, switch channel and then I saw him as a detective or something. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's yeah, transitioned to the. Post wrestling life, like some you know wrestlers over here do too. John Cena, The Rock. 
Nagayotes, she was uh, in charge of the Gaia school. And we saw a young and very intense Meiko Satomura. I think 15. Was she 15? 15 year old Meiko Satomura was in it. Yeah. Oh my gosh, she's intense. Right on ninth grade. Yeah. She didn't even go go back to school tenth grade for 10th grade. She decided to become a wrestler. And yeah. a few years later, she I think around that time, she did show up on a WCW broadcast. Um, yeah. Yeah. Right. That uh, smaller show. Like WCW World or WCW Worldwide Pro, show. yeah, worldwide. Yeah, her and Uematsu. Yeah, WCW Pro, uh, WCW Worldwide Show. Yeah, and her taped like three matches and left. Yeah, uh, her and Uematsu. Yes. Um, but the, yeah, the, the documentary. I think it's pretty easy to find on YouTube or Daily Motion if you just type in Gaia Girls, G A E A, Girls. It's out there. Documentary. Yeah. It's pretty intense. Not for the faint heart. Right, and also how brutal the, the, the training was and almost like a violence. Yeah, it was almost like they had Ellen to prove But it was how... like a very shocking documentary piece for, yeah, serious they were. And uh, it wasn't the original for uh, Chigusa Nagayo because it was the exact training that the, she went through uh, as a rookie uh, when she was with All Japan Women. So it was a, a kind of a first glimpse into that kind of the background world. Right, uh, right. And documentary and the movie footage. Yeah, and then you can still watch that. And that's how they do in Japan. Or something. You know, it's almost prejudice, but uh, not so far from reality. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I think but, so. So 94, another... the, the boom period was still. Yeah. Oh, I was just going to mention before uh, if anybody's a fan of uh, Hirota Sakura, <laughs> that Gaia movie. As it features, she's uh, in it. Very, yeah, I think fourteen-year-old uh, Hirota Sakura. Uh, it's funny to see she's a mother of two now, but it was a while ago. Right. So, so there was a funny kind of wrestler and a serious kind of wrestler, because because Hirota Sakura and the Meiko Satomura is like a complete like <laughs> night and day. Uh, yeah, you know, like extreme from one end of the spe- spectrum to the other. Yeah, but they both came out of the Gaia school. Mm-hmm. Yeah, same training. And then uh, same training camp, yeah. So '93, huge uh, that the period, and also that was the uh, that was the year that uh, Bo Nakano, fi- uh, the Aja Kong finally beat Aja Kong. I mean uh, Bo Nakano for the red belt. So the torch was handed. The, uh, Bo Nakano, huge superstar, but the, she dropped the title, red belt, the all Japan. Uh, the WWWA world title to Aja, so the Aja becomes a, a total main event. And Bonacano decided to leave full time schedule. And she, first, she went to Mexico, then became CMLL women's champion. Then, she, then in '94, she went to uh, WWF. And uh, it's not that, that the Bonacano wanted to go, but uh, it was Alondra Blaze, you know, the Medusa, uh, who became Alondra Blaze in WWF. And uh, that uh, they put package together, uh, WWF Women Champion Alondra Blaze against Bonacano in America, and that was Bonacano's transition. Yeah, for Tokyo Dome, November you know, '94, November 20th, Tokyo Dome card. Alondra Blaze against Bonacano match title match was brought back from you know uh, America and had that so. When Tokyo Dome showed, it was like an eight-hour show, you know. I was there the entire day, and then I some. You were on commentary. I uh, watched so many matches that day. It's like it's almost like escaping. Yeah, I couldn't do all eight hours, but I did a three-hour portion of it. So we switched, you know, because people were getting tired, and you can't call, you know, all the matches for eight, eight, nine hours. So we, you know, traded spot. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I was doing that. What did fans do? I guess they decided to stay, or some of the matches, you know, there was actually like, uh, you know, Miyu Yamamoto's, uh, you know, amateur wrestling gold medal champion, older sister of Yamamoto Kid Yoshifumi. And uh, they they brought this Olympic level women's amateur wrestlers, you know, know, yeah, yeah, Kid Yamamoto's older sister, Miyu Yamamoto. She wrestled, not professional match, but the exhibition in in professional ring. And there was time that, the, well, I guess people decide to just 
get up and go get something to drink or something to eat and come back and you know and watch more so like i'm almost like a going to ball game you know you can't pay attention to every second of it and every match of every second of it for eight hours four hours is eight, pretty nine. long eight is eight nine is. hours you know that was possible but they uh that was uh yeah yeah and then also all japan women's wrestling company knew that it was the, the one and only time they would be running tokyo dome so i guess they wanted to have everything on it you know uh you know there was uh mm not the mma but the, they they used to call it valitudo uh yeah the, yeah yeah anything goes match and uh the interesting was like uh, that the chibusa nagayo against reggie bennett single match and uh, they, they had you know real, and, and also one night tournament going you know and and also it was akira hokuto's first retirement show you know card and Aja Kong against Manami Toyota single match. They put a lot of interesting thing on it, but I think it was just tiring. And uh, I, to be honest with you, I don't really remember all the details of matches from that night. Mm. I just remember the fact that I was there. So, there weren't any I, big uh, memorable moments? Is, is there anything you can recall? Or it just bit it's in peace, you know. Because it was it was like something that happened at Tokyo Dome, and it was all that thing is how I remember. And uh, and also when you watch Tokyo Dome, you know, uh, wrestling, you know, wrestling show at the Tokyo Dome, it always happened that you are not really watching ring; you are watching the monitor. Right. You know? Yeah. Especially if you're yeah when you're farther away. Oh yeah, this every seat is pretty far away. You know, if you ask me, and the ring. And you hear thump, 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 like you know, like a box slam or hip toss or something. You hear the sound from, you know, from your right ear, but you hear like a half second delay sound from that screen. You know, the something kind of strange feeling. Dun, 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 dun. It's like a almost half second delay. You have two sounds, you know, different sounds, and that that takes attention away from you. But that that happens at every Tokyo Dome show. You know, even New Japan's, you know, Wrestle Kingdom, everybody's watching this from pretty far away. And if you're not in a big you know, floor arena, that's still far away too. But if you're in, on, on, sitting on the stand, you will be watching the big monitor, you know, what they call it, uh, the aura vision. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's really no way around but, it. There yeah, is that, that was... delayed reaction uh, on the big matches. So right, the... right. Yeah. So the, the, the being being there and being part of the big you know, historical show was what it was about. And uh, yeah, I think uh, if you watch this Tokyo Dome card on video, it's out there. That uh, it, it, it looked like a completely different night. Too. So now that if you want to watch the serious content of the match as a match, that you should go back and watch videos. But the, the fact you were there was just as important. But uh, uh, a lot of people call this, you know, like a, the, the peak and the highest moment of this women's, you know, Joshi wrestling's boom period. But it was actually, the Tokyo Dome was like the beginning of the end. Beginning of the end, almost. I what do you say it was of the course, beginning of the, the end? The next year, 95, that uh, they still had Yokohama Arena. Beginning, yeah, beginning of the end, because... Uh, it was like something that something peaked, and also you and I are old enough to look at this three-year period of something concrete, some three-year period. When you were young, like a, when you you know teenager or twenties, you know, three years seemed like forever. Does that make sense? It seemed like a long, long three years. Yeah, yeah. So it was like the boom period. Anything you know that the uh, disco music or uh, that the uh, Space Invader or there's a game you know some computer game video boy something that the, your favorite thing you know that the software or something that the, the actual boom peak period is about three years you know what I'm saying mm -hmm. and, and then it, then it kind of tapers this down was, tapers yeah, off right right and I think that the, this uh, November '94 Tokyo Dome show was like the beginning of the end. 
they still had Yokohama Arena show the following year. They, you know, the the, the, the Civil Palace show and all these things. But it was like wasn't really there. And when they finally had uh, two consecutive nights at the Budokan in uh, August of '96, we saw some empty empty seats. Yeah. And that was uh, '96 was the year Akira Hokuto coming coming out of retires just after two short years. And she joined Gaia Japan for that this time, you know. And also another group called JD, you know, John Dark. JD started, and Jaguar Yokota became coach of that. And uh, and a lot of the new thing, you know, that the uh, not just all Japan women. But uh, you know, actually, Bonakano is not no longer the part of the All Japan Women group, and Aja Kong and Manami Toyota, the Kyoko Inoue, the Mima Shimoda, the uh, Mita, probably, and maybe probably uh, Yumi Kohota. It's about that's about the ro big roster. But uh, something was missing already in the year of ninety five, ninety six. In my eyes, yeah. So burn, you know, that they burned out the uh, new wrestling fans, or they just, uh, I guess, boom period was was coming to an end. It, it felt like, yeah. So and, and, when when was yeah? it exactly that all Japan women started to fizzle out? Falling, and, yeah. Uh, I think it started falling uh, like a summer. Spring of 97, spring, it lasted 96, you know, and they were still having the, the last corner of, you know, in a promotion match, All Japan against JWP, All Japan Women against LLPW, and, you know, there's a trying to scratch, you know, every bit of it. And 97, Kyoko Inoue all of a sudden quit All Japan Women, you know, because uh, they were like a being, like a, actually late. Uh, for the st uh, paychecks, you know, like every month salary. And what was interesting was that uh, September of 97, 97, okay, September of 1997, all Japan women all of a sudden filed bankruptcy. Oh, right? And wait a minute, that lasted till 2005, right? What was so interesting was the that the the All Japan Women Company, 1997, uh, when they filed their bankruptcy, that meaning that the, no bank will do business with you, right? Does that make sense? Yeah. Hello. So, yeah. are you there? Yeah. Yeah. What What was happening was that they announced that after their the first bankruptcy, they announced it. We'll, we will be still running wrestling show. How, right? Cash only basis. <laughs> Let me see. Oh, that's just like a, uh, hope it's 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 making any sense. Is anything uh, you could I'm say they about were right in, now? You could say they were in trouble by that. They then. filed bankruptcy and then, yeah, yeah. And all Japan women, you know, we haven't covered this much, but the. Uh, it's a very interesting, you know, company. Uh, they opened business six nineteen sixty eight, right? And they always had this uh, channel eight Fuji televisions, you know. They, they, Fuji television always carried the show, and it was also paying them uh, annual uh, rights fee. You know, there's a, a good chunk of money coming from the you know net, network channel. And actually, they were in business for 10 years by then. And the All Japan Women's Wrestling, 1968 to 1997. So they lasted 30 years, right? Almost, you know. And New Japan, you know, Antonio Inoki's New Japan Pro Wrestling never had their own building. You know, they were in in, a, in a one floor of some building, right? And Giant Barber's All Japan Pro Wrestling, they never had their own building. You know, the, again, All Japan, you know, Giant Bar. Uh, all Japan women 
own their own building, two buildings in Meguro. And there was like, uh, we, we used to call it palace because it's a two building built, you know, right next to each other. One had this, you know, the parking space where they can park three different buses, you know, like a two buses, baby face and, and the heel bus. And also that another truck to, to have just being in chairs in there, you know. And the second half of this, uh, the you know, the ground floor, there was a dojo, you know, dojo. All Japan, Zojo was ringing and everybody practiced. And second floor, they had the office. And the second floor, left hand, the, the, half the building, they had Sanzoku, the big restaurant. And the third floor, fourth floor on, that the you know rookies and girls were living. And on up, up on fifth floor, midgets were living, you know, the midget, midget wrestlers. And they had restaurants. They had karaoke houses. You know, but karaoke, you know, studio is not. I mean, it's like you can now you call it, you know, the karaoke became English word. But they were, they had karaoke studio bar way back in the 80s, you know, and they had different restaurants, they had ramen houses, and they had real estate department. And we don't know much details, but uh, all Japan women and four Matsunaga brothers were the only one had their own building. And their own restaurant going and uh, real estate, you know, that uh, department. And, and, and they must be doing the like fortune, right? And then also, something probably about the real estate, you know, that uh, uh, the part, something they done or something that they lost a lot of money or something. And then all of a sudden, 1997, you know, a year after this peak year, they were fighting bankruptcy. And then nobody knew what was really the reason for it, you know? And, uh, but they still announced it, that they are still running wrestling shows because, uh, yeah, Takashi, the boss, Takashi Matsunaga's core. This is the only thing they can sell now. And on cash-only based business, between 97 and 2005, they lasted another seven years. It's just incredible, you know? And uh, different kind of people, right? <laughs> diehards diehards help really yeah i guess yeah super yeah. wrestling and also more like a if bank and uh the pay you know like a checkbooks and the bookkeeping uh, it's not holding it they can still run wrestling uh cash in cash out every you know night out night in you know day in day out they can still operate wrestling and that's exactly what they did another seven years. I needed to point that out because 1997 was the year that the, the first Kyoko Inoue left. Then Rossi left the company, Rossi Ogawa. Mm -hmm. And Kyo, Kyoko Inoue started her first Neo Ladies Wrestling. And Rossi Ogawa, they took Aja Kong um, and Reggie Bennett. Uh, Mariko Yoshida and the five, six, seven girl came with Rossi Ogawa and he started his RCN company. Yeah, like a forerunner of today's startup. Yeah, the first company Rossi uh, started was RCN. Yeah, uh, that started in 1997. That meaning that all uh, <clears throat> Japan was, you know, like going to three, you know, different, you know, like a, like a split, you know. Bonakano is, is not part of that group anymore. And Akira Hokuto you know, was not part of that group. She joined the Gaia Japan. And Toshio Yamada later on joined, joined you know, Gaia Japan as well because Toshio Yamada was like Chigusa Nagayo's number one proje, you know. Yeah. And uh, so it's like half the crew left, all Japan women. And uh, Manami Toyota became like a single main event wrestler with all Japan women. Yeah, that year. And that's already end of 1990s, right? So the millennium coming, and the, you hear that the see, 96 and 97 was the year Nobuhiko Takada had this Hickson Gracie match at the Tokyo Dome, like a year. UWFI superstar and the best thing ever, Nobuhiko Takada, right? And had, you know, this Tokyo Dome MMA match against 
Hickson Gracie, two years in a row, 96 and 97, two years in a row, he lost in a few minutes. You know what I'm saying? It was like, that's when this really <clears throat> loyal professional pro wrestling fan starts scratching their heads. Like, Something wrong with this picture, right? Are you with me on this? People's, uh, what's the word? Not just their minds were changing, but it was the whole perception of what pro wrestling was, was completely flipping over on its head, at least in Japan at first, and then later in the States and worldwide. Yeah, because but... UFC was was not, you know, they're not, you know, running shows in Japan, but the videotaped and, and, and uh, you know, like a cable satellite TV special of UFC was happening. And also... People have seen Masakatsu Funaki, Minoru Suzuki, Ken Shamrock's Pancras, you know, coming out of traditional pro wrestling and pro wrestlers start M MMA. There was no word yet, I don't think, but the MMA type professional wrestling around that time era. So people start going like, huh. And if it was all 100% legitimate contest, it would not look like that, right? And uh, yeah, so the millennium coming and uh, uh, just the beginning of dark age of professional rest. And uh, trend. That's what I'm saying, I think. Then, yeah, then 99, 2000, of course, wrestling is around, you know. But, uh, oh, wow, this something about this, you know, this pro wrestling was there like. A, the people, I mean, even the loyal wrestling fan, um, the, the wrestling was something that we all enjoyed in during the 20th century. And when 21st century comes, it may not be, you know, no longer be part of our everyday life or something. It's just that uh, we had the feeling, you know, it's like a, a real bad feeling about pro wrestling, huh? Does that make sense? Remember, that, like, there was a gray like, cloudiness in the air. Yeah, wrestling was changing. Yeah, everything everything has to come to an end or something. We really felt that during this millennium era, you know, people who liked like UFOs, you know, like a, you know, like you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's like oh, that was all bad, and it's like everything that you know, like a supernatural. Oh, that was so fake. All these mysteries solved before the new century or something. All the music will be changed or, or everything will be different in the new century or something. And we just, because it only happens once in 100 years and we were there and we really felt that. And what's, you know, I mean, not all that much different from previous years, but uh, we were led to believe that the, when a new century starts, everything will be different. Does that make sense? It was going to be different, but it was... <sighs> So Everyone thought bigger or better. Yeah, of course. Bigger and better. It, it hasn't been, though. <laughs> 20 years later, now it's what the COVID and the war. And, uh, well, yeah. at that time, I think uh, Joshi Pro Wrestling got smaller and more niche than ever for, you know, from between the... Yeah, all in all, that uh, boom era, peak era uh, really had to come to an end. But it's all where the current stars came from. A lot of the yeah, current stars yeah. that we see, they came from this time period. They came out of that time period. Asuka, Yoshirai. Yeah, yeah. Oh, of course, of course. Yoshirai, Asuka, or, or <clears throat> today's, yeah, today's superstar didn't really watch, you know, good wrestling or that the, that the 90s peak period was something they heard about or watch on old VHS tapes, you know. Mm -hmm. And there really was dark period. Not in not just women's wrestling, but men's wrestling. You know, to not the day to you know cover this. But the, we have to really touch this subject too. That the New Japan pro wrestling was was the one who got the hit the most, you know. That the you know, retired Inoki, Antonio Inoki, pretty much sided himself with what the MMA world. If you see, so you lived in Japan, and then you, if you remember about the six, seven year period, uh, every New Year's Eve, December 31st, you know, and NHK have this, this, have this 
you know, has always traditional singing, you know, that uh, music festival kind of thing all night long. And Channel 4 had Inoki Bomaye. Channel 6 had Pride. Channel 8 had K1. They all looked the same because they're all MMA shows all night long, you know. Then there was not a wrestler. Oh, probably like a Kazuyuki Fujita from, you know, Kamara, New Japan. But the, the, he, the Fujita wasn't considered pro wrestlers, you know, anymore at the time. Probably maybe Kazushi Sakuraba. But Kazushi Sakuraba's peak was much like 2001, 2002, when he beat Boyce Gracie. But uh, Sakuraba himself you know, switched K1 and Pride back and forth, you know, for this like a big, bigger contract or something. But people didn't look at Sakuraba as a professional wrestler. The ones like uh, Yuji Nagata, then an IWGP champion, or somebody like a Kendo Kashin, you know, Kendo Kashin without mask, they had matches against people like Milko Karkap or the Federer Emilienko with just two-day training. That's impossible, right? That's... It's still every time you hear it, it's pretty. Yeah, I can't. It's unprecedented. I mean, shoot, that's and it really yeah. it was a big gamble. All of it. There was a lot of big gambles. At yeah. That time. Um, Inoki when he yeah not went not to that MMA yeah, not, side. He not that Nagata was you know not good enough. He both Nagata Yuji Nagata Kendo Kashin Ishizawa or Manabu Nakanishi. They were all college wrestling champions that turned professional wrestler. Nakanishi's case, he was Olympic wrestler, and professional wrestler. But uh, Inoki still had influence over this. You know, he, he wasn't even living in Japan at the time. He was living in LA, and LA Dojo it was another story for another day. But uh, Inoki still had enough influence to call up New Japan company and offices or send us Nagata and Kendo Kashin over for MMA. They couldn't say no. And Nagata and Kendo Kashin both, you know, uh, with the under contract wrestlers that they couldn't say no about it. But they, you know, they were nice about it. They shows up night after they had wrestling match and have had match against people like Crock Up and Ferrer, Emilienko. And of course they weren't ready for that, you know. But that costed wrestling a lot, a lot more than the surface. That a lot of loyal professional wrestling fans really left pro wrestling because of it. You know, well, I want to watch something like Pride and K1. I don't blame them, you know. But uh, that was the dark of wrestling. And women's wrestling was not pop, trying to get it. Oh, it took them like years to, you know. We probably had to wait till like 2010. That's when Rossi started his stardom this time. Yeah. Stardom already has 10 year history, you know. But it was 2005, all Japan women, you know, finally went out of business and really closed the chapter. I mean, the biggest women's wrestling company and that had the rich history and then uh, they produced so many legends and the, the said joshi pro wrestling women's pro wrestling that meant all japan pro wrestling you know, all japan women's pro wrestling for decades yeah but uh, they finally went out of business uh 2005. did we get any questions from this listeners this time no i don't have any uh at hand but <clears throat> if anybody has them they know where to get us they can get out of us at twitter or via email but uh oh, okay. we are recording this okay. a little bit earlier let's fall, than let's fall, uh, fast forward let's fast forward uh yeah right right but the, doing it every week you know write that down with me and you know justin nipper that that sh should happen every week <laughs> so <laughs> I, I guess we're doing it and uh fast forward a little bit that the 2005, yes, uh, all Japan women's uh, finally uh, um, closed, closed, uh, closed out the shop and uh, it really went down. And that was also the year uh, Gaia Japan, uh, Chigusa Nagayo's Gaia Japan closed down too because they were only going to do it for 10 year period. 
this sponsor that the money promoter person was only committed for 10 year and 10 year project was over and that Nagayo Chigusa said, yeah, yeah, all close, uh, Gaia Japan, uh, 95. And 2006 was the year, now grown up superstar, you know, Meiko Satomura opened her Sendai Girls Pro Wrestling, 2006. Hey, I felt like that was a brand new era, yes. And 2007, you know, the, the pro wrestling wave started. 2009, Ice Ribbon started. 2011, the Diana, the Reina, the, all these new companies coming out, you know. And finally, I um, I got the text message from Rossi one day to the spring of 2010, I believe, that uh, actually I'm doing the company again. Are you sure? And hmm. uh, I was really, really happy that uh, I was chosen to be one of the very few people that uh, Rusty decided to inform on, you know, and then, oh, great, and please be careful kind of thing, right? Because, you know, he lost a lot of money and he himself had, you know, filed his pers you know, personal bankruptcy when the company RCM went down. And he had himself had to live in, in this dark age of professional wrestling for like uh, several years. And uh, yeah, and uh, 2010, he decided to, you know, go, you know, practice company up and this time called stardom and i felt really really it was like a promising it's like uh it was all accident when almost like an accident when rossi started the stardom 2010 uh if you remember fuka uh another idol uh wrestler that was like a niche 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 but uh, pretty popular and rossi for the entire period was just running small and uh, just had enough 300 400 people in the audience but very loyal fan base for five you know every month for five year period and rossi and fuka was making like a hand-to-hand <clears throat> -hand making business and making living with this small portion of wrestling audience very loyal fan base and that the fuka at the time was training new girls without really telling Ross about it at the time you know like a 2004 2005 the, you can actually rent space uh, during the week during the daytime at, at the Shinkiba uh, that the Shinkiba building always have wrestling ring in there any independent group can use it you know and uh, the wrestling ring was always there and uh, during the day when nobody was using that building you know a manager was like you know if wrestler come in and pay 10, 15, 20 dollars, they'll let you use this wrestling during the day, like during the week for the practice. Okay, then Fuka started training uh, rookies. Like among that, there was like a Yoshiko, the, the uh, young Mayu Iwatani, the, you know, they were like, Fuka was training these girls. Then one day, he, he the, the Fuka brought Rossi over, like, come over, I, I'm training these girls. Then there's like eight girls already to debut in the ring. And Rossi scratched his head. Wait a minute. Is it, are, uh, are you guys like trying to, what are you trying to do here? And then none of these girls want, wanted to work in these existing wrestling companies. That the, they uh, pretty much that the, was thinking that, the, uh, that the, when they were ready, there's a place to wrestle or something, right? And not con concrete plan. Then, then the Rossi looked at it. Like, One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. He said, wait a minute. Uh, this might be his, you know, his mission for these girls, uh, in order for these girls to work in the ring in completely new environment, therefore a new company. And, uh, and then there was a Usupon's, you know, if you remember, her TV project was going. Yuzupon was a pretty famous model and also a grab, you know, what we call a grabia idol that the, you know, that the magazine with, you know, bikinis and stuff that she was really, Yuzupon was pretty famous. And there was a TV project to have her as a women's wrestler and have one match and one match only, you know, for the TV special. And Rossi was, you know, helping that thing. And when Yuzupon showed up at the dojo, to start practicing. She was so serious that she doesn't want to do just one match for TV. It's like, uh, it's like 
she came every start coming over to you know dojo every, you know not the dojo but the shinkiba every day to join their you know fukas practice and they said if i do something i want to do it for right and do it for real and they ended up becoming wrestler for three year period therefore rossi had a completely just all fresh roster to start start them it would then and it's like a, the rest is like you know the rest of the history you know, rest of the story and then this the beginning of stardom was really um exciting because no existing wrestler is all rookie uh, and uh and then and, and then then the takahashi uh from all japan women they joined to coach these wrestlers and uh, and uh yeah uh, it was it just happened like a snowballing effect that i felt that this stardom is going to make it yeah does that make sense I mean, it seems like you're correct on that because stardom is, I mean, you have to, can't argue that it's the number one women's wrestling company in the world right now, just like all Japan was. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. And then uh, uh, Rossi is the only one that has all Japan women's DNA in him. And after, it's, see, uh, all, all Japan women's company, like we've always talked about, was run by four Matsunaga brothers, you know, Kenji Matsunaga, Takashi Matsunaga, Kunimatsu Matsunaga, and Toshikuni Matsunaga, four brothers. And one by one, they all passed. And uh, none of these brothers are with us anymore. And uh, yeah, and actually, in reality, Rossi is the only one who had this decades of experience with the old Japan women and basically just knows how to run women's wrestling company <clears throat> and in 21st century style and uh yeah that's what we're talking about and uh, today um i try to count how many women's companies are there in japan right now you know <clears throat> we have stardom you know then this is big you know like the number one company now is 35 wrestlers in full-time roster and he sold the company to Bushiroad, the same owning company with New Japan. It's a big game, you know, trading card, big, huge company with big capital that uh, Rossi just became a president of it, no longer be paying wrestlers from, uh, you know, his account. But uh, uh, yeah, Rossi is really happy to be producing the show as a creative end of it and uh that the business part of it is run by bush road now so it's in a good position and very big biggest company in japan women's wrestling is stardom right now and then then distant second would be what who do you think sendai girls or tokyo joshi ice ribbon you know Oz in... academy yeah in japan <sighs> Yeah, I, I don't know it, because the you know the the crowds for each promotion are pretty different. There's not too much crossover. Sendai Girls fans don't often go to the Tokyo Joshi Pro. Right, they're all supported by very loyal fan base. Yeah, like you have act girl, you know, actress girls that the, the World Pro Wrestling or Shinshu Girls Wrestling, or they still have the the uh, the group called LLPWX. That the uh, 90s 90s LLPW, but the, the, the today's version of it, that run by Endo LLPWX, but they don't run to that old old show. There's another company called PRJ PRJ that uh, run by Borishoi, you know, the Command Borishoi. That that is the spin-off of JWP. That exists. Shieldings or the Gato Move, you know that the. Uh, Wars Wrestling, Diana, the Reina, the you know Tokyo Joshi, the Wave. We just named about fifteen different companies. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's good. You know, it's like the the WWE should not conquer every single company. The independent company should exist. You know what I'm saying? And uh, just like the independent scene that the, in America that uh, a talented young wrestler debuted elsewhere or eventually coming to, you know, eventually will come to, to stardom now. That's how their roster got so much bigger now. Mm. Yeah. But uh, about 15 
women's company, you know, still running their shows today and right now. It's good though. I'd say that the market is big, that uh, it doesn't have to be one just one giant company, you know, that's healthier uh, as, a, as a market. I did notice yeah. that uh, there was the Hokuto put the put the special shows together for all of the companies. I forget what. It right, was. right. Um, oh, it's just the the pen. That's the beginning of the assemble? pandemic. Yeah, yeah. Oh, definitely assemble. Yeah, yeah. They haven't done it this year though. Oh, the last year. Yeah, so that was not like the company, but the more like a project. To make women's wrestling genki, does yeah. that make sense? Yeah, just like kind yeah. of because like. Uh, what do you? How do you translate the word genki? Uh, exactly. I mean, <laughs> high energy, lively, lively, vigorous. Um, okay, okay. Like um, yeah, that the the whole motivation behind it was to make women's wrestling genki. Yeah, and and bright and and yeah, like you said, <laughs> lively and some word don't translate, huh? It's a special word, yeah. Yeah, but so Akira Hokuto as a, like a big senior, you know, it's almost like a alumnus, right? Al alumni. Then, then uh, of the of the whole industry, that the, she was influential enough that the, they can, you know, when she, when and if she pick up a phone, a lot of group will gather. Yeah, and uh, it only happened maybe two shows, probably. Yeah, and it wasn't. Um... There weren't any mixed promotion. Yeah, the, but the intention, you know, that the was a project. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that the pandemic so, also interrupted the yeah the definitely. of Gaia. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right, but it's still under, you know, basically still under COVID, you know era i think you know yeah. none of these companies are running full-time schedule you know that the social distance is getting easier a little bit but you're still supposed to be wearing your mask you know when you're in the building you know for the safety precaution i guess and uh none of these companies in japan running that uh, as many shows as back in 2019 yeah that's a uh, not just wrestling but everything yeah Well, I mean, it's hard to cover every single year of Joji Pro Wrestling, but I think we did a pretty good job at covering everything from, let's say, 1951 yeah. up until now. <laughs> think so, yeah. Then, uh, um, you know, also after these three long episodes that uh, people might know more about it or the details of certain events or the certain wrestlers or the, the timeline or the that uh, you're... The company map and the wrestling company's geographics, like uh, you know, that the, who went where and what happened with this company and that company, and this company became this company, and the change of name, names, and, and what. And uh, we can always answer more questions, yeah, yeah. This is for now, foundation. Yes, I, mean... I think, <laughs> or with this three, three. Three episodes, uh, we all the way from 1948 all the way to 2022, and a, I hope we did okay job on this. Yeah, feel free to reach out and, and ask questions if we, you know, of course we had to gloss over some aspects of or some years, some. There are certain things that we can we'll go over in detail down the road in the future when we focus on, you know. Yeah, yeah, we might have left out something there. big. Yeah, well, you know, we'll we'll get to everything. Yeah. There's lots. There are lots of yes. uh, topics, um, unique or, or distinct topics to talk about. And also, we provided enough years and dates and names that uh, some serious wrestling fans out there, younger than we are, they please would start their own research from this point on. Mm. There's a lot to research too. So, yeah. A lot out there. Yeah, yeah, and then I think it's our role, my role, to head this down to wrestling historian and then you know researching people. Yeah, mm. yeah, I really hope that. Well, if people have questions, where can they reach out to you directly, Fumi? 
Okay, at Fumihiko Dayo, F U M I H I K O D A Y O, Fumihiko Dayo on Twitter or Fumi Saito on Facebook. And please message me first. I'll friend you, you know, right away. And I'm at Justin M. Nipper, K N I P P E R on Twitter. Uh, if you have questions, comments, we'll follow up on the next episode. So I guess that's it for now. That's the, the end of our history of pro wrestling in japan women's pro wrestling in japan series joji pro wrestling part three. what should we do next <laughs> well if anybody we'll has come up any with ideas, something next week yeah. yeah yeah but otherwise we'll come at you with a surprise we'll, next yeah week. we'll be doing this every week yeah and until then so long from tokyo